This is one of my favorite BJ Power quotes. This inner power speaks. And I love that he starts this with, we chiropractors work with the subtle substance of the soul. We release the prison impulse, right? The tiny rivulet of force that emanates from the mind and flows over the nerves to the cells and stirs them into life. It doesn't talk about we adjust, right? It doesn't talk about subluxations. It doesn't even talk about bones, right? There's nothing, it doesn't say we chiropractors work with the spine. We move the bones and make the forces that push the bones from one place to another. That's not exactly inspiring, right? And not only is it not exactly inspiring in, in my opinion, it's also not what we do. It's not what we do, right? <clears throat> Here's what I want you guys to understand. This quarter is I want you guys to understand that we are not spine doctors, we're not bone doctors, we are brain and nerve system specialists. That is what it is that we do. So when we talk about the spine and we, we talk about, well, we need to adjust the spine. You are, we're adjusting the spine is the thing we do. It's not the why we do, right? It's the how. How we do what we do is we may work on the spine and move the bones in any way that we find is best for that patient. Whether we move them osseously, we move them tonally, we move them with the instrument. That is what we does. The what that we do and the how that we do it. But the why that we do it is much bigger. And if you don't understand the why, then the how and the what might get a little boring or frustrating. But if you get the why, then the how and the what make more sense. And not only does it make more sense to you as a chiropractor, it makes more sense to the chiropractic patients. Right? My patients understand this. My patients want this. Other people want this. <clears throat> Right, so here's an example of, of how what we do is really a brain and nerve system thing. So a patient comes in, a mom brings in her son. <clears throat> her son's about maybe 10 years old, in a wheelchair on Monday, <clears throat> not walking, not talking. That's pretty significant, right? That's pretty significant. Now, did she come in and say, let's improve his posture? I want him to sit up straighter in the wheelchair, right? That's, what I, that's my goal for him. No, that's not what she said. Did she say, you know, he's got some back pain and some neck pain, uh, so he wants to, we want to fix it. No, no, that's not what she said. She said, I want, I need help in making my son the best that he can be. Now, do you think that that is going to come about if you're advertising, you know, seven danger signals for neck pain, seven danger signals for back pain? Is that what you're going to attract? No. No, but I attract the most difficult cases because that's what I want. And I want the brain-based, nerve system-based cases because that is exciting to me. This makes, if it like, gets me up in the morning to teach you guys to go into practice at 8.15 a.m. on Monday and have this kid come into the office. But here's the, here's the real neat thing about the story. <clears throat> so as you can imagine, over the course of 
this young person's life, they've had a lot of poking and prodding and doctors, whatever. So whenever he, he pulls up to an office that is a doctor's office, he starts to freak out, understandably, right? Uh, because of all the stuff that he's gone through. God bless him. <clears throat> so they pull him in, you know, he, he goes into the office and like my, my adjusting area, my open area is, um, we have five adjusting benches and the front desk is up there. So it doesn't look like a, like a doctor's office. But then when, you, when they brought him into my x-ray room and exam room, that looks like that because now you're seeing an x-ray, you've no, seen those things before. And you, right. So he starts crying. So they pull him out because he was like really just panicking. Uh, and uh, one of the interns comes up to me because we have interns who start the uh, exam process for all our new patients. And then I come in after they kind of get started. So she comes up to me and she says, Dr. Rubin, uh, I don't know what to do. He doesn't want to go into the exam room. What should we do? So I want you to think from a brain and nerve system perspective. From a brain and nerve system perspective, the answer is not from a typical perspective. From a typical perspective, the answer is get him into that room. I don't care if he cries. We've got things to do. And that's the room that we need to do it in, right? We do our things in the exam room, and that's where we're going to do this exam. From a brain and nerve system perspective, what we do is we say, what would be best for this child? What we're... Do, do I really have to do my exam in that room? No, I can do my exam anywhere, right? So I have no, my own private office, quote unquote, is a very large open room with nothing in it except for a desk and a bench, essentially, and a chair. Um, so, uh, so I said, bring them in there. And she's like, but you don't have your stuff. I said, well, we could bring some of the things we need, like reflex hammers and flashlights, whatever. We could bring stuff from the exam room into that room. Um, so we brought them into this room and he was totally fine in there. <clears throat> but when the mom starts and I start talking and she starts calling me Dr. Rubin, right? He starts freaking out again because he's like, oh my God, doctor, like, doo, 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 right? So he knows that word doctor, even though he's minimally verbal, he understands things. And to hear the word doctor is like, oh no. So he starts freaking out and crying again. Uh, but I notice as he's sitting there, he has this miniature keyboard on his, uh, with him. Mom brought some like small little, you know, synthesizer kind of keyboard sort of thing. And he's constantly very lightly tapping on the keyboard, you know, keys. I'm like, hmm. So once again, from a neurotypical, from a typical perspective, right? Typical carpet, typical doctor. What do you say about that keyboard? Get the keyboard away from him. I got work to do, Right. I got to look at his hands. I got to look at his stomach. Get, move that thing away. From a brain and nerve system perspective, what do I say? Hmm, he's playing the keyboard. And then I started noticing that the mom had a YouTube video playing behind, you know, like in the phone, in her pocketbook, uh, in her purse. And it was playing the song. And I, I, I'm not very musically inclined. Um, I do a little guitar, but not like, I, I'm not like, I don't have the ear for it. So... And but this one tune was going like da 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 da, and I'm noticing he's going ding 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 on his little keyboard. He's following the tune. Now I noticed later on when the mom, if the mom turns off the thing, he cannot repeat things like that, but he's able to follow the tune. And so what does that mean? What does that mean 
from a brain and nervous system perspective, if you see this kid is able to, to, to play tones based uh, on listening, right? He's got a great ear for this kind of stuff. So that means that he is auditorially motivated. And music is his language, right? Music is his language. So what I did, as I saw him getting afraid of me coming near him, is I said, is this your keyboard? Can I play with it too? And as he's going, dun, 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 So I went, dun, 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 on his keyboard. And he looks at me like this, like utter astonishment, like, oh my God, he's speaking my language. And he grabs my hand because I pulled it away. I grabbed my hand and he put it on the keyboard. And he goes like this, he shakes his head. And I go, dun, 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 dun. And now he and I have bonded. So the rest of the exam, there was no problem. Because I went, I thought about his brain and nerve system. I said, how is it best to approach his brain and nerve system, right? Is it better for me to remove these things out of his place so now he cannot talk to me, right? This is how he talks. And we spent the whole exam alternating between me doing the things I need to do and playing the keyboard he and I together, right? And where does that all come from? It comes from something, and if you haven't read a book, a particular book, I'm going to su suggest you get this on your Amazon reading list. Uh, it's called The Polyvagal Theory. And The Polyvagal Theory by Dr. Stephen Porges talks about how the vagus nerve does more than just rest and digest. There's also this thing that Dr. Porges kind of discovered. There are five branches to the vagus nerve <clears throat> that are actually for social engagement. So the ears are part of the vagus nerve pathway. There's a branch that goes into the ears that's part of the vagus nerve to help calm someone down. There's a branch into the vagus nerve in the eyes. So that's why to me, eyes are so important. It's, it's, it's so important to look someone in the eyes, <clears throat> even if they are minimally speaking, even if, they, even if their eye contact is minimal because of they're on the spectrum, whatever, you still try to get that eye contact because there's that vagus nerve, right? The vagus nerve is in the voice, how you approach someone, you know, uh, how you smile at them. It's all here. And your vagus nerve is also heart lungs. There's also a social engagement portion of the heart lungs, which is how, what, what heart rate variability <clears throat> measures. So I, I want you to get this. This is, this is from a polyvagal perspective. The way I approach children especially, is through a polyvagal brain and nerve system perspective because I don't want to approach them in the way that a typical person would approach them, which is I have tasks to do, you know, here's my list of things to do and I have to check, 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 check. <clears throat> I don't care how much I get done in my first time I meet someone. What I care more about is building rapport, is creating a safe space, is creating a place of trust and love and honesty and concern. Because once I set that up, then I am free to do anything else I want. You understand that? So if I went in saying, get rid of his keyboard, he's staying in this room, I don't care if he's crying, what experience is he going to have? Not very positive. And even more important, what's he going to be like the next time? Right? The next time and the next time and the next time, 
right? Now, it doesn't matter as much if you're only going to see this kid once, like a typical, you know, doctor sees them once every six months. They don't care, whatever, right? I'm going to see you two or three times a week for months. So to me, it really, really, really matters how I set up that beginning because now I got a buddy. And when I see him next week, right, what are we going to do? What's his first thing? He's going to wheel into that big room instead of the, the small room. And then we're going to go, dun, 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 dun. we're going to play piano together, right? And I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to, I have um, this small little piano thing. I'm going to learn a couple of little tunes for him, like three note tunes, that so I can kind of communicate with him back and forth and see if he can match what I do, right? As sort of a test of his nerve system. So this is how we get excited within chiropractic, is by studying what we really are. You know, B.J. Palmer said it himself right here, right here. We <clears throat> release the prison impulse, the tiny reel of force that emanates from the mind flows over the nerves to the cells and stirs in your life. He doesn't say we release the bones that are stuck, that are out of alignment. You know, that's not what he's talking about, right? He's talking about the brain and the nerve system. And this was back in 1949. And even D.D. Palmer, the first chiropractor, didn't say we are spine doctors. He said our foundation is tone. Chiropractic is based on tone, T-O-N-E, tone. And what we do is we, and I like saying tune versus tone is very similar. And what I like saying is my goal is to get that kid in better tune, like to tune them up. Right? Imagine a guitar or a piano that's out of tune. Right? We're going to tune them up. That's the ultimate goal. Not, not I'm going to crack their back. I'm going to you know, make their alignment better. Yeah, it's important to have a good alignment. Absolutely. Right? Yes, I want to put their spinal bones in better position. Absolutely. But is that the goal or is that the thing I do towards the goal? Right? Towards the goal of improving brain and nerve system functioning. 